0: This is Ozarks at Large, and we begin by dialing up, well, I guess you don't really dial up anymore, Fort Smith and Michael Tilly with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, welcome back to Ozarks at Large.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and I uh, hope, um, hope the fundraising week is going well.
0: Well, thank you very much. You can always make a contribution at supportkuaf.com. Thanks for that nice little segue. That keeps, oh, oh, speaking of segues, that keeps the future of KUAF secure Hey, how about the future Fort Smith committee?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, they're not raising money, but they're trying to raise raise awareness, trying to raise communication. Yeah. Um, John Cooley, um, the chair of this committee, which has been around for quite a while, and i got to tell you, I've been pleasantly surprised and have some admiration for Mr. Cooley and his fellow committee members. Uh, When they formed this committee many years ago, I, I just assumed it was going to be like other committees put out a report, flash and pan, it'd be all you'd hear from them. But they come back every year to the board and kind of hold their feet to the fire about, okay, you remember those things we talked about last year that we think will make the place a better place. Here's, here's what they are here. And here's how some of it's changed and here may be some new ideas. So, um, again, to their credit, they, <laughs> they've not gone away quietly at all so um, John Cooley recently talked to the board and, and uh, as he as he has in years past he said look communication continues to be the key thing you guys talking city administrator and city board you guys need to communicate better um, with with the public he said the city's doing a better job he mentioned their social media presence but said you need to do a better job you know tell them what you tell us what you're doing To promote economic development we know you're doing some things tell us what those are give us some better insight on what you're doing with the consent decree which um i think john may have pulled some punches there because the city of fort smith has i would give them just to be generous i'd give them a d grade on communicating with the public on consent decree maybe a more honest grade would be an f um, but they've got to do a better job there. John didn't say that. That's my little editorial note. He also mentioned, um, some other items on the list and, and he said, these are in no particular order. Um, but, um, that, you know, the city needs to do a little bit more to, to look at homelessness, try to mitigate homelessness, uh, improve, uh, infrastructure, um, which includes sidewalks and accessibility. Um, city beautification projects, continue those, uh, support for police and fire services, which as we've talked about, you know, city voters will have a chance to renew some sales taxes, which will support police and fire services, uh, expansion of housing and expansion of education, which, um, I think we may talk about here in a few minutes. It's part of that, but, um, on housing, Cooley talked about, you know, there's, some growth in population. He mentioned there may be some housing needed for the new pilot, uh, foreign pilot training center, and Air Guard Base here in Fort Smith. Um, but anyway, I think um, uh, what was in, what what I continue to find find interesting, like I said, is this committee continues to come back every year, and um, they're an unelected body. So I think maybe accountability may not be the right word, but there is. You know, they come back every year and it's like, you know, we're not gone. You know, we're we're still here. We're still watching. So I um, as a as a, someone who likes uh, to see folks in, engaged in grassroots level, uh, especially at local government, this is this is good to see. And I, I look I think they've I can't quantify the difference they've made, but I think they have made a difference in, in at least in terms of keeping city administrators and city directors knowing that these folks are looking over their shoulder.
0: Well, you mentioned education and expansion of education and education has somewhat expanded this week with the, finally, the opening of the Peak Innovation Center.
1: Finally is a key word there. Yeah, It was supposed to open last August and through a series. And we are planning, I don't want to say we will, because anything, you know, things can change, but we're planning a story or a series of stories looking into the, reason for the delay. Uh, but it's an almost $20 million project. It was probably one of the more high profile projects uh, of the Fort Smith School District's, you know, $120, $130 million millage package that the voters approved. Um, but it is open. It is essentially um, a very broad uh, provides a very broad based workforce, career development type curriculum and programs. For over 20 school districts in the area, I think 22 school districts in the area, and those are districts that work with the University of Arkansas Fort Smith. They're what's called their Watsi program, where people can get certificates through nursing, automotive, computer tech, just a wide range, robotics, a wide range uh, of projects. And the the beauty of the Peak Center uh, is that it it consolidates a lot of that training provides better facilities, provides uh, better technologies you know some real world technology so that high school students aren't training on you know technology of three or five years ago, which in today's workforce that that can be ancient in some in some places. Um, so that's gearing up some of the first students went through this week. Um, Dr. Gary Udaj I, I think is Um, has a lot of respect in the community in terms of running this program. And I suspect that um, he'll continue to um, expand as the committee future Fort Smith committee said those offerings and um, uh, look forward to seeing what he does. But thankfully uh, this, this peak center is finally open. um, And I've not been there. I've seen several pictures. I've, I've listened to folks who've toured it. My wife has toured it, and everybody. It, I, there's no negative comment; just nothing but glowing comments. So, it's a very good asset for students, not just in the Fort Smith School District, but all over this metro area. Happy that it's
0: open, and look forward to seeing what uh, will come next.
1: Yep, we'll we'll keep reporting, and we'll we'll have some stories on why the delay happened. But um, but that doesn't take away from the potential for what the center can now be.
0: Exactly. Michael Tilley and his staff covered these stories and so many others at TalkBusiness.net. Michael, stay warm, stay cool. I don't know what the weekend will hold for us weatherwise, but we'll talk to you next Friday. How's that?
1: Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised with an earthquake at this point. I,
0: okay, you heard it here, here first. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Ozarks at Large is
2: underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting the classic rock band Three Dog Night to the auditorium in Eureka Springs, Thursday, July 14th. Hits include Mama Told Me Not to Come, Joy to the World, An Old Fashioned Love Song, and more. Tickets are available online at tickets at thundertix.com.
3: This is Ozarks at Large, and I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. The annual Childhood Obesity Report from the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement found that childhood obesity grew over 13% in the last school year, compared to the 3% growth the year before. I spoke to Michael Motley, Director of Analytics, about ACI's findings, why we're still using BMI to track obesity, and what the data means for Arkansas children and parents.
4: For the 2020 and 21 school year, we found that 26% of students had a BMI measurement in the obese category. So that's up from 23% in the previous year. Uh, which is about a 14 uh, percent relative increase. So that's the largest single year spike we've seen since we began tracking this data in 2003. The increase in the rate of obesity was greater among younger kids, so those in elementary school. Um, we, you know, Measurements are collected for students in even grade years, so we saw for kindergarten, second, and fourth graders uh, a relatively higher increase in the proportion of Students with a BMI measurement in the obese range. So, for kindergartners, for example, uh, the proportion in the obese range increased from 16% in the previous year to 20% in the most recent year. Uh, so, that's a, a relatively higher increase for the younger, um, younger students and younger children. Uh, you know, this is a problem because studies have shown that overweight or obese children are more likely to be overweight or obese as adults. So, you know, that can lead to health problems down the road, like diabetes, heart disease, and, and other related things. So um, this is this is definitely concerning.
3: And what can we attribute this jump to? I mean, tw- 23 229 to 26% in one year. That's a big jump.
4: Yeah, and, you know, it's, it is a big jump for one year. We've historically seen the rates kind of slowly increase over the years. This is the biggest spike we've ever seen. It's likely related to some secondary COVID-19 impacts. You know, we know a lot of kids uh, switch to virtual learning, uh, among other changes. And uh, this can impact their overall level of physical activity. You know, they're not coming and going from school. They're not benefiting from, uh, you know, uh, PE or or recess or school sports.
3: And I imagine there are disparities also for children that are low-income, live in rural areas, children of color. What have those figures been like?
4: Yeah, so typically uh, you are correct. There are some disparities there. We do see that, um, you know, African-American or Hispanic uh, children tend to have a higher rate of of BMI measurements that are in the um, overweight or obese range, and that is still holding true um, the, uh, you know, Relative increases are sort of the same across um, these different groups and different uh, areas, but uh, didn't start from the same place necessarily. So there are disparities there that have been potentially exacerbated by uh, some of these recent impacts.
3: And the basis of the report uses BMI, which, as we know, has a pretty controversial past, particularly from parents and people who say that BMI doesn't differentiate between Um, doesn't differentiate fat and weight from muscle or bone, why are we still using BMI?
4: So BMI, it's true, it does not directly measure body fat, but it is correlated with other measures of body fat. Um, And so it is a a good tool for population-based screening. Uh, It is not meant to be the one decisive tool. I think it is something that can be used by doctors to identify potential issues in individuals where they can do different measurements to uh, look at a person's overall health as it relates to their weight status.
3: Professor Michael Thompson at UAMS has studied childhood obesity over the last 12 years, and he agrees that BMI is best used as a public health index rather than an individual prognosis.
5: But it is a screener. And if you look at what BMI is used for, it is a screen tool. It's not used to diagnose body fatness or health, for that matter. And so I have uh, two daughters who've been in the public school system. And you know, I've received the confidential parent reports over the years. Uh, typically, they come to me as part of the parent-teacher conference. And they're folded and stapled, so the teacher doesn't even see my, my daughter's uh, BMI or weight status. And these report instructions, that the parents receive are pretty clear that you know if I have concerns I shouldn't take this report at face value I need to go see a pediatrician because sure you know you it doesn't distinguish between fat and muscle and these kind of things right so so the I think the reason to be using um, BMI is is not you know it is a screener and that's all it is it's kind of a hey an alert you know and uh and if if uh you get this alert then maybe it's something that you can verify and you know your health provider can say oh well this is nothing you need to be worried about or actually you know we probably should be thinking about some ways to get this under control
3: i mean some economists and their research is mentioned in the ACHI report, mentioned savings as to having a less obese nation and society. Is there a ticket price to obesity as it relates to our society and our healthcare system?
5: Yeah, that's actually probably a trillion dollar question with a T. Um, you know, there, there's, there's numbers all the, across the, the board on this. And um you know, it depends on kind of what numbers you look at there was and I don't have the, the 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 numbers right at my fingertips, but there was a study a couple of years ago out of the Milken Institute, which is and um, probably a pretty conservative Institute, but they were estimating in the T trillions of the burden of obesity. And you know just to kind of put that in perspective, you uh, you know, we spend over a trillion dollars on food in this country. And if, and if quality of life lost productivity, again, this is kind of a number that's going to include everything, not just the, the costs that you pay for, you know, the doctor visit or whatever. Uh, if, if we were to, um, if we, we were spending almost that much on, diet related health problems that can be linked to to obesity so so we're in some respects blessed with a a food supply that has been you know we see food price inflation right now but but uh, a food supply that has been by historic standards relatively affordable very abundant but you know there has come with that some of these other conditions that uh, that uh, come from probably excess consumption
3: now, kind of pivoting towards the future, what policies, programs, solutions have worked the best and, in your opinion, like would be beneficial if implemented when we're looking at public obesity?
5: If we can bolster our school meal programs, make it so that you know children have access to those. Right now, for example, in Fayetteville Public Schools, all children are getting universal meals. Next year, you know, unless uh, something changes, they won't be. And so, we're we're making that healthy food available, uh, you know, more available to children through through some of these kinds of programs. Uh, but. I think programs to address food insecurity are important. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of strong studies out there as to how our behaviors have changed during the pandemic. You know, what what most of the studies have dealt with is food insecurity. We know food insecurity is uh, highly associated with obesity. So, so strengthening some. Um, programs to ensure that, you know, people have regular access to, to foods that support a healthy diet, I, I think are, are, are crucial.
3: I spoke to Professor Michael Thompson from UAMS and Michael Motley from the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement over Zoom.
1: I didn't teach magic. Music is an amazing thing. It's in the air. You can't touch it. And especially for jazz, which is ambiguous also. So we have a double duty and like, you can't teach it. You can only emulate it. That was jazz saxophone legend Dave Liebman, and in the background is Joey Alexander. Both of these iconic musicians will be performing in Northwest Arkansas next week. I'm Robert Ginsberg, and this week on Shades of Jazz, I'll feature interviews with them both.
0: Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF, and then tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF3. You can get KUAF3 through KUAF.com, through the KUAF app, or by asking your smart speaker to... Please play KUAF3. This is a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. It's the last afternoon of our spring on-air fundraiser. And once again, for this hour of Ozarks at Large, our great friend Marty Burgraff is making a $300 challenge. So, if we can raise $300 during this hour of Ozarks at Large, it's worth $600 to us. And it has to be this hour because we're not going to be uh, doing the fundraiser during the evening edition of Ozarks at Large tonight. So, If you can contribute up to $300, you don't have to do it all. Marty Bergraff of Fayetteville will match it, and it's worth $600. And when you're contributing, you're not just helping us meet this challenge. You're helping us keep radio on like Ozarks at large. Radio about where you live, about the people who live where you live, that you can only find right here. If you appreciate this kind of radio, as well as Morning Edition and All Things Considered, Remember, all of these programs cost us money. We don't ask you to pay for an entire show or an entire day of programming, but what you can afford after you've assigned a value of public radio in your life. You can make that contribution at supportkuaf.com. And if it's up to $300, it'll be matched by Marty Borgraff. Supportkuaf.com, and thank you. Support for Ozarks at Large comes from the Soylent
2: Industries. Soylent was developing green manufacturing before it was fashionable. Soylent Industries. Our business is people. Additional support provided by Waystar Royco, makers of the Boar on the Floor game. Waystar Royco, we here for you.
3: This is Ozarks at Large. The Grammy Awards are on Sunday, and a University of Arkansas alum is nominated this year. Uno, Dos, Tres, Andres is the husband and wife duo of Christina and Andres Salguero, who have performed for audiences in the U.S., Panama, Mexico, and Colombia, and they're nominated for Best Children's Album. Andres grew up in Bogota, Colombia and came to Fayetteville, Arkansas to study music. He spoke to Ozarks at Larges Matthew Moore about his musical history from picking up the guitar at a young age to getting into punk rock music to becoming a classically trained clarinet player with a doctorate degree. So why choose to make children's music?
6: Such a great question. And that leads me to to talk about our perception of music and the value we give to that music In society. Yeah. And uh, we have given a a really high cultural value to classical music, let's say, vis a vis, you know, pop music or children's music. From Fayetteville, then I moved to Kansas City where I pursued a doctorate in music that I finished all the way because I saw myself in the future as being a college professor. So, but during that time, I kept writing music and I got the opportunity to be part of a children's music band or group. And I discovered that I was really good at it. I saw, and the most important thing also, I saw a business opportunity. You know, <laughs> I saw that there was what, what Disney saw <laughs> right. with Coco and Encanto, right? They they understand that children from Hispanic or Latino households are one of the fastest growing segments in our population and are a huge market. And if Disney is doing it, they're not doing it because because they love humanity. They're <laughs> doing it because they want to make millions and millions of dollars. I mean they they make beautiful products, but they are not I don't think they're driven by their love of people. You know, they they have financial reasons. Absolutely. So then I I saw that 10 years ago and I saw that and I'm doing it because I love it. And I, I feel, honestly, I feel more fulfilled as an artist talking about, about syncopation and Stesky what we're talking about, than talking about brands Mozart, Beethoven, because there's thousands of people already doing it much better than I did it, right? But also because there's just this great need and all these children that are growing here in the US. And not only they have, uh, Latino and Hispanic children, but children from all backgrounds whose parents want to raise them bilingual. And they're realizing that, you know, speaking a second language and in the U.S., Spanish is the, the the most widely spoken language, you know, after English. There's probably 40 million people in the U.S. who speak Spanish. So learning that second language gives them uh, power and gives them uh, have you an understanding of our society.
4: You're nominated this year for a Grammy for Best Children's Album. In 2015 and 2019, you were nominated and awarded a Latin Grammy. Can you pull back the curtain a little bit to talk about what does it even look like to get nominated? What do you have to do as an artist to even be on the Grammy nominations radar?
6: Great question, because many people really do not understand how, how it works. So. The Grammys is uh, the award given by the Recording Academy. That's the organization, and uh, there are thousands, tens of thousands of members of the Recording Academy. All of us who who take part in this industry as creators, technicians, engineers, publicists, uh, managers, and then you can submit your own music or you can submit the the music of of anybody, any artist, actually. And then uh, from that initial step, uh, in this case, you can have 150 to 200, let's say, children's albums. Then all of the members vote, not the public, but only the members of the Recording Academy, who are actually voters, because not all of the members can vote, but, you know, all of the voting members get to cast their vote and decide which are the, for their ears and, you know, with the parameters of of, of the music and the message and, and all of these, what are the best albums? So we were among uh, the five top albums from from this pool of 150 something like that 200 so it is not easy i mean you know you can say that it is harder to get a nomination than to than to win at the end because you know to get a nomination is you know
4: <laughs> tens of thousands to 5 and then yeah, 5 to yeah, 1 yeah. you've got a 20% chance of winning right
6: <laughs> exactly exactly so if you look at it you know uh, from from just the numbers you know getting the nomination is 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 really hard and and we have submitted albums for years and uh and you also need to you know tell people about it you need to campaign just the way in the in the same way they do it for the Oscars and the Globes and all this you know it is an award and and you need to tell your peers about it and tell your story And you need to be a a nice person (laughs) because at the end, you know, it is, I think, you know, it reflects that.
4: Have you ever had days where you just feel stale, where you just feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yesterday.
6: No, No, honestly, you know, there the pandemic has challenged everyone, you know, and we have been extremely, extremely privileged. That we have been able to continue working in virtually, even doing virtual performances, all of that producing from home, but of course, you know it affects and winter you know you're more indoors, you don't see the sun so much and so so and and there's this pendulum right so so honestly, yesterday you know afternoon, I was like you know I wasn't feeling the drive really to 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 do things. This morning I woke up and it was a completely different person, you know, wrote this song and I have all these ideas, all this drive, all this energy. And now I'm here having this wonderful conversation with you and connecting with my beautiful Fabio, Arkansas, where, where I spent such, such great time.
3: That was Andres Salguero, one half of the duo that makes Uno, Dos, Tres, Andres. They've been nominated for a Grammy for Best Children's Album. This is Ozarks at Large.
2: Ozarks at Large is supported by Inatech, providing solutions to your office space challenges. And now offering quick filing of your TPS reports. Visit us online or in person. We're located next door to Tchotchkes. Additional support comes from Dennis Duffy Enterprises. Because technology is cyclical, Dennis Duffy is ready with a full line of beepers and coffee vending machines for your business needs. Don't be a dummy. Contact Dennis Duffy.
0: This is a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. It's April 1st, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellams.
3: And I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. And
0: this is the last afternoon, the last few hours, really, of the spring on-air fundraiser for 91.3 KUAF. Last session of Ozarks at Large during the spring on-air fundraiser. And we have had a very busy Friday. That's not abnormal. We knew this would happen. But we haven't heard from everyone we want to hear from yet, so that's where you come in. You can make a contribution right now at supportkuaf.com. i remind you that for one more day, Marty Burgraff, great friend, longtime friend of KUAF and Ozarks at Large, has made a challenge of $300 during this very hour of Ozarks at Large if we work together and raise $300 combined Marty matches that. It's worth $600. You can can make the entire contribution if that's something that is in your wheelhouse, or you can make part of it. It's up to you. You do make the contribution at supportkuaf.com. And when you're contributing, you're making sure that this radio station stays on the air, stays strong, and stays independent. And by independent, I mean we answer to the people who give us the most money. That's you and listeners like you. And so we have an independent voice thanks to you. You can make the contribution in the amount you choose at supportkuaf.com. When you make a contribution, there's also an ability at supportkuaf.com to tell us what you think about the station, your favorite shows, things like that. Yesterday, Scott Thompson of Eureka Springs made a contribution, and Sherry Otaviano, our uh, membership director at KUAF, brought me uh, what Scott said. And, Rachel, what did Scott say?
3: Kyle, Scott Thompson said, thanks so much for your great work. Thanks for Ozarks at large. It's such a valuable treasure for Northwest Arkansas. For me, KUAF is the best source of local and regional news and for community event information. P.S. Always love Jackie's stories.
0: Scott, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing that with us. And, um, you know. Thank you, Eureka Springs, for supporting us so well for so many years and providing so much great content that uh, Ozarks at Large reporters can report on. Speaking of Ozarks at Large reporters, to my left is Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Rachel, you've been on Ozarks at
3: Large for a couple of months now? I've been here for about three months. I'm a newbie. What's the experience been like for you so far? It's every day, every hour is something completely different. One hour we're talking about news and politics and another about lifestyle, books, all kinds of different things. I love my job. I love talking to the people, new people every single day and telling people what they need to know.
0: And if you recognize Rachel's name or
3: voice, you were a guest actually before you were a co-host or a reporter. Yes, I was a reporter for com and provided monthly reports with Rob Wells and Mary Hennigan um, about the state of COVID over that month.
0: Well, Rachel, it's wonderful to have you as part of the family. Thanks
3: for being here. Thank you so much from being a guest on the show to now being able to co host. It's a joy. That doesn't mean every person
0: who ever been a guest on Ozarks at Large will become a co-host. I don't think we'd have enough days in, in the years to do that. What your support has meant to Ozarks at Large over the years is that we can have more voices, more reporters that gives us an ability to report on more and from further away and from more towns. You've helped this show grow from once a week, half an hour back in the 1980s when it was – founded and hosted by Dave Edmark, to the six days a week it is now, plus an online presence and more. Thank you. We intend to keep covering this area as well as we can, even better than we can. We do that with your help. You can continue to support Ozarks at Launch right now at supportkuaf.com. If your contribution is up to $300, it'll be matched by Marty Burgraff, great friend of KUAF, who lives in Fayetteville. That's at supportkuaf.com. Rachel, thank you very much. Thank you, Kyle.
2: Support for Ozarks at Large is provided by Bluth's original frozen banana stand. Try our original frozen banana or the George Daddy. There's always money in the banana stand. Additional support is provided by Los Pollos Hermanos, using the finest ingredients, slow cooked to perfection. Los Pollos Hermanos, so
0: good it should be illegal. This is Ozarks at Large. With me via Zoom is Courtney Lanning, our movie reviewer. Courtney, welcome back. Kyle, thanks for having me.
7: Um, Anything happen in the movie world this week? You know, I think there are a couple films coming out this week.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about one that's going to be on Netflix, uh, or I guess is on Netflix as of now. Yes. Uh, Coming out today, a new comedy called The
7: Bubble, which, as you might guess from the title, COVID-inspired Events
0: And when you mentioned this to me last week, I said, I'm not sure I'm ready for a COVID set movie, but this is a comedy.
7: This is. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure I was ready for a COVID set movie either, given where we are and where we might be in a month. Who knows? Right. But, you know, I when I was watching uh, Sweet Tooth, which is another series on Netflix, which involves a virus and a massive pandemic, I got too stressed. I had had to quit in like episode three or four. It was just, it was too much. But um, surprisingly, I mean, since this is a comedy, this was a surprisingly funny little movie.
0: I enjoyed it. So let's, let's set up the idea because it's people, actors who are affected by the pandemic. Yes. So the basic
7: concept of the bubble is a group of actors go into a bubble at a hotel in England and they're going to make a movie, and this is one of those making a movie within a movie movies. Um, it's it's a bit of a meta comedy, and these actors are just kind of suffering through as they make this total B movie. Um, and I don't mean B movie like Jerry Seinfeld animated B movie. B movie is in, you know, a lower class monster movie, the likes of which Bruce Campbell might star in.
0: Right, and what I love about the, the meta concept here is they're not trying to do some sort of, um, uh, dialogue heavy movie inside a bubble. They're deciding to use dinosaurs (laughs) in this bubble.
7: Right. Yeah.
1: The,
7: the V movie that they're making is about dinosaurs resurrecting and it's a little more tremors than Jurassic park. Um, and it's, it's the sixth film in their little dinosaur series. And, you know, they hit all the cliches that come with that of oh, this actor was thought to be dead, or we brought them back, and we got this returning cast, and reboots and spin offs, score.
0: uh, and it is a familiar cast. There are some familiar faces in this, and we should say it's a Judd Apatow movie, of course. Yeah, um, this
7: little meta comedy has a very large cast. Um, you've got David Duchovny. you've got Pedro Pascal, I mean, the Mandalorian. You've got the Mandalorian in this movie, mm-hmm. right. Um, and there's all sorts of little cameos that pop up throughout the entire film that'll surprise you. Just the most random people they get, like John Cena is going to appear for a scene and and I won't spoil the rest, but there's there's quite a few surprise faces that pop up here. And, and I think the movie works overall because it feels like a bunch of humorous little skits that are thrown together under a loose chronology. Uh, with these wildly awful people who keep experiencing worse and worse outcome in their job. Uh, the studio that's forcing them to make this movie, they force them to work through the flu. Um, you know, they they put them in these awful conditions, and the movie just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, and And you enjoy it because, again, these are truly awful people
0: the bubble premiering on netflix today there's a there's a big superhero movie that's in theaters beginning today
7: yes uh, and it is it's called morbius uh this is a spider-man villain anti-hero uh and it's uh starring jared leto of course who's a big name right now um You know, he turns himself into a vampire to cure cure his his lifelong disease that's killing him. And I think the concept sounds interesting, but you know, as you and I are are recording this, I think it has about a sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So take that for what it's worth.
0: (laughs) Very good. What do you think we'll talk about next week?
7: So next week, uh, I will be reviewing for y'all a new political drama coming to Amazon Prime called All the Old Knives, starring
0: Chris Pine. Okay, I like Chris Pine. I do too. All right, full review of the bubble in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you. Thanks,
2: Kyle. 91.3 KUAF, supported by Acme. Acme, delivering anvils, dynamite, and roadrunner traps in the blink of an eye. Additional support is provided by Rose Apothecary, Lotions, soaps, and occasional performances by the Jazzigals, Gals, located near Cafe Tropical and the Rosebud Motel.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Prior to the pandemic, we routinely welcomed bands from outside our listening area into the Furman Gardner Performance Studio if they were traveling through the area. Today, we start getting back to that practice, and the Austin-based band Good Looks, no strangers to our studio, at least part of the band anyway. The band is composed of Tyler Jordan on guitars and vocals, Jake Ames on lead guitar, Robert Cherry on bass, and Phil Dunn on drums. When they recently had a few days off after a show in Tulsa, the band made a stop in Fayetteville, the Carver Center for Public Radio, for a sit-down with Ozarks at largest Timothy Dennis to talk about their forthcoming album titled Bummer Year. Here's Good Looks, performing one of the singles from that album, Almost Automatic.
8: Headed out some waste, takes town. Pull the car over, watch the sun go down Baby, I'm just happy I could be here with you Trying not to race ahead, although my heart wants to It's a bad idea You got the trouble written on your lens it's so clear See it in your face See you were looking at some guy Being glad or you got Is something they never In. It's hard to tell your heart stops and my heart begins
9: Last time you all were here, you went by a different name. Right now you're going by Good Looks. That's that's right. Why, why the change? That's a good question. The label asked us to change it.
10: That was part of it. And I sort of had that in my mind that maybe we might get asked to change it. I didn't have a strong attachment to the last name, so it felt good. Also, I really like the fact that the old name had... You know, it was, it was Tyler Jordan, the negative space, and it had the word negative in it. And I really like the fact that the new name has the word good in it, and feels yeah. just inherently more positive. And I think my writing is kind of a little less sad than it used to be, and so it feels like more in sync with the way that we're going.
9: To counter that, though, your new album is called Bummer Year. That's true. Yeah.
10: <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty. I was pretty sad when I wrote a lot of those songs. You should <laughs> yeah. have had the title before it was
4: Bummer Year. What, what, what? Oh, I was gonna say. Sh- year you can't say
9: that
4: (laughs) they're supposed to be implied
9: i I, I can believe i can Uh, believe so but this this album is coming out soon but you've been sitting on these tracks for a while that's
10: true we recorded this and 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 kind of you know it took a while to mix it and master it and then you know we shopped it around a little bit and found a really good home with keeled scales but then just as soon as we were kind of ramping up to put it out the pandemic hit so i think everyone just sort of lost their direction and just you know, we just kind of waited it out. We didn't totally know what to do and just didn't feel good to put music out if we couldn't tour. So. Yeah.
9: So, sitting on it, did that cause you to tweak a few things, change a few songs? I mean, what did the pandemic pause, so to speak, do for the record? We were finished. With uh, not not a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I would say that my life is
10: significantly better for the most part, you know, wrote a lot more songs and you know, have a, have a new, new partner and got to spend a lot of time with her. And so that part was really good, but with the record itself, I, you know, I don't know that it
4: really affected it much.
3: Okay.
4: Or some like planning, right? Like that's true. being a little bit more thoughtful about how it was released and what we were going to do when it finally did get released. And yeah.
9: That's, the administrative side of it. was yeah. like, it's more. It did,
4: it did
10: give us a minute to get, it took like a whole year to Come up with a new band name, so that was nice. <laughs> yeah, I just wish that a lot of people didn't have to die for that, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's dark. I, you know? Okay, I was like, wait a minute, what? It's a global pandemic, man. Uh, yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, why good looks? Why not nice guys?
10: Yeah. You know, I like. Uh, nice guys kind of has a negative. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I,
11: I guess, it's depending <laughs> on how you look at uh-huh. it.
10: Nice. Another thing that I, I kind of. The other part of it is I watch like a ton of basketball. That's my that's my sport. I watch every single Houston Rockets game. I'm a huge huge basketball fan, and they always a term that comes up a lot is uh, he just got a good look at the basket. And I I like that there's like you know multiple meanings for the for the word and I don't know it's just nice.
9: It's funny I hadn't thought of it in that context. Uh-huh. You know that's that's a nice twist. Yeah. So you're out touring in support of this new album now. Uh, How does it feel to be playing in front of people again?
10: I kind of can't believe we're on tour. Like it, it it sort of, I mean, it's been, we've done weekend runs and stuff, but we haven't done a full tour in a long time. So it's kind of nuts just to be driving around and playing shows and that feels so good.
9: Yeah. Yeah. How, how's the feel back in Austin now?
10: You know, it's been, I I assume it would probably be the same here. It's been kind of herky-jerky. You know, there's been waves. And so we played a bunch of shows over the summer and things were really happening. And then in the fall with the Delta variant, it kind of like slowed down again and then picked back up and then the Omicron hit and it slowed down. And so it's just kind of been start and stop. But people are adjusting and, you know, wearing masks inside more at shows and, So it's been good to get back to live music, although, you know, it's not 100% back to where it was yet. Right,
9: right. So you're on tour now. What what are your plans for the next few months, next, the rest of the year?
10: Yeah, so we just put out a single. It's the second one from the album, Vision Boards. Record comes out on April 8th. We're doing a tour up to New York and back in April, and then we're going to do West Coast in June and July.
9: That's quite a haul.
10: yeah, it's, it's a lot we got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of dates coming up.
9: So once the record is out, where where can people find it? Will it be on all the usual places?: Yeah, uh, you know, Spotify, you can definitely find by the,
10: the record at com. that'd be probably the best place to get it, but mm-hmm. it should be distributed and at your local yeah. uh, record stores
9: gonna have CDs vinyls tapes all, what, what's the deal all three yeah CDs really? vinyls and tapes I think that's all the questions I have for y'all unless there's anything else I didn't ask anything you want to say uh, uh, speak now forever hold your peace
10: well just I just want to say that we really appreciate you having us and of you're Tim you're one of my favorite uh, people we've met on the road you're just a really kind guy and it's this is the third time I've been here, and it's just always nice to see you.
9: Well, y'all are always welcome here, and I enjoy seeing y'all play, and I enjoy talking with y'all. So, I mean, yeah, this is refreshing for me as well.
10: Well, thank yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank yeah. y'all for coming
9: in.
4: Absolutely. All my friends
8: from high school. All about motorcycles. Joined up with the backing supported Donald Trump. I don't think they're evil, but even when they're awful. Not totally class conscious, but ultimately good. So they're the kind of people who with you in a bar fight, but even when they cause talk too much and When you got a flat tire Somewhere out in Jones Creek And here they come a-racing in some stupid jacked-up truck Take me to the beach Shooting fireworks Feed me crawfish Take your cousin into buying beer Lately I've been struggling I've been failing Mostly drowning I could easily crawfish trick it cousin into buying bee lately i've been struggling i've been failing mostly trying to. i could use a friend to get me out of here
0: And good looks performing inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF. The band is composed of Tyler Jordan on guitar and vocals, Jake Ames on guitar, Phil Dunn on drums, and Robert Cherry on bass. They spoke with Ozarks at Larges' Timothy Dennis. The band's new album, Bummer Year, will be released April 8th. That's a week from today. You can find the band on social media, and you can pre-order the record at keeldscales.com. Com. Support for
2: KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, featuring locally grown annuals and perennials, trees, shrubs, and more. Garden starts are available at all four Westwood Gardens locations in northwest Arkansas. Westwoodgardens.com for more information. Walton Arts Center's 10x10 art series presents Trivani, a classical Indian program performed by Grammy award winning tabla master Zakir Hussain, featuring Kala Ramnath on violin. And Jayanthi Kumaresh on Saraswati Veena, Tuesday, April 5th. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443 5600 for tickets.
3: This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Cole Hill. KUAF is a listener supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media. And we are indeed
0: listener supported. Thank you to everyone who throughout this week made a contribution to KUAF Public Radio and Ozarks at Large during our spring on air fundraiser. Without you, we wouldn't be able to be here. Thanks also to Marty Bergraf, who made the challenges every day of Ozarks at Large this week to encourage you. To give you one more nudge to make a contribution to KUF. You know where I'm going now. If you haven't made a contribution yet, you always can. SupportKUAF.com is available 24 hours a day. And you can make a contribution there in the amount that you choose right now or a couple of hours from now or tomorrow or whenever it is convenient for you. Support KUAF com. Today's show was produced by Timothy Dennis inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors included Michael Tilly, Timothy Dennis, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Don Draper assisted with special underwriting assignments this first day of April. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you very much. Again, thanks to everyone who contributed this week. If you were a sustaining member, thank you very much. Uh, It's very much appreciated from all of us who work at Ozarks at Large and KUAF and from your fellow listeners who've also contributed. One more time, I'll remind you, support KUAF.com. That's where you can make a contribution. Have a great weekend. We'll have another brand new show for you on Monday.